Chapter 3 Earlier That Evening Aiden! Aiden Bannister turned at the sound of his name and was surprised to see the love of his life running down the street toward him. Had she left work early? As far as he knew, that was possible only if a person suffered a severe injury or died. Eva? He stared at the young woman as she approached, her brown hair bouncing on her shoulders, her scarf in her fist. He watched her smile and hold out her hands to him as she rushed forward. This was the woman he loved. The woman who would be married to someone else in a handful of days. Aiden! Eva launched herself into his arms. Joy and torment streaked through him. Each time Eva touched him, he fell back in love with her. Each time she kissed him, he spent days afterward plotting how they could cheat the system and run away together. But without money, there was nowhere to run. And each time she left him, he had to remind his heart that he must forget her. Frustration and despair ate him alive. What are you doing here? he blurted. I didn't go to work today. She pulled his hot head forward, struggling to kiss him. Her hands felt tiny on his brawny neck. I waited for you to get off work. I had to see you, Aiden. I had to. Eva, no. He disengaged from her soft, sweet lips and delicate fingers, away from the ache that consumed him. He swallowed, overcome by love and grief and longing and, as usual, the inability to express himself. Please don't push me away, Aiden. She looked up at him with a pleading expression in her big, sad eyes. He found it difficult to resist that look, and she knew it, but this time he vowed to be stronger than before. He swallowed hard again and shook his head. I have to, Eva. When she reached for him a second time, he stepped backward. You could be ruined, but I need to tell you something. No, you don't. There's nothing to say. But Hayden! The pain in her voice cut through him. He hung his head. He wished he had the ability to put into words what he felt for this woman. He longed to tell her how she would be in his heart and in his thoughts forever. Forever. He would never forget her, never take another as a companion. He would go on living, but he would only be putting in time. In five days, when Eva entered the marriage machine, his life would be over. But Eva would never hear his declarations of love. Words never made it past his crude workman's tongue. He could lift a loaded wagon. He could work 24 hours without rest. But he could never find the right words without blushing and stuttering and making a fool of himself. So he remained mute. He pushed off the brick wall and headed down the street. Go home, Eva. But you've got a chance at a better life. Take it. I don't want a better life. She grabbed his sleeve, but he yanked away. Not if you aren't in it. Nothing. I have nothing to offer. That isn't true. 
and if they catch you out here with me, they'll pun punish you. Your future'll be ruined. I don't care about the future. She grabbed his sleeve again. Aiden, I don't want the future they've planned for me. He stopped and turned to face her. It's the only way out. I don't want it. She shook her head. He clutched the tops of her arms and held her away from him, determined to make her see sense. Go home, Eva. Right now, be before someone sees you. No. Tears welled in her eyes. My home is with you, Aiden. You. She wiggled, trying to force herself closer. No, it isn't. He stared at her. Hard. He wouldn't let her kiss him again. He would break if she kissed him again. If he loved Eva Wilder, he had to be strong. That he could be. He might not be able to verbalize his feelings, but when he made a decision, he could stick with it forever. Go home, Eva. I won't. I'll follow you. No, you won't. I don't want you to. I never did. Her face paled. What? I never did. Not for the long run. We both knew you and me wasn't for the long run. What are you saying, Aiden? She blinked, as if trying to understand his words with her eyes instead of her ears. What are you, what are you saying? That it's over. And I'm glad. I was getting tired of the same old thing besides. Same old thing? Variety. Spice of life. Isn't that what they say? especially for a man. Didn't know how to tell you. I don't believe you. She took a step back, pulling at both ends of the scarf, as if she held his heart between her fists and was tearing it apart. You're lying. He shrugged, fighting to keep his expression cold. You're lying. Get lost, Eva. He curled his lip. Have a, a good life. Then he turned and strode away. Aiden, she cried behind him. He pressed on, ignoring his outraged heart. He heard her footsteps ringing behind him. He kept walking. He had to do this. He had to make her believe he didn't care. And in a few minutes, this hell would be over. Aiden, her voice was fainter now. She had stopped following him. He forced himself to keep walking. He couldn't look back at her, no matter how much he wanted one last glimpse of her, no matter how much he wanted to embrace her and never let her go. But he had to. He had to let her go. He had to be the strong one. Soon, all he heard was the clump of his own boots on the cobblestones, nothing more. He headed toward the nearest speakeasy. He had to get a drink. After the train wreck, Gabriel Stone stole surreptitious glances at the woman who rode beside him. She wasn't all that beautiful, not in a classical sense, but there was something that drew the eye. Her fiery demeanor and proud bearing vaulted her from the nondescript to the spectacular. When he spotted her on the riverbank, standing there with her brown hair blowing in the wind and her arms akimbo, she'd looked like an Amazon. Not that he'd ever seen an Amazon, 
but he'd read about Amazonian women in Roman Brandt's illegal trove of books. Yes, there was something about Joanna Wilder that drew the eye. He shifted in the saddle, uncomfortable with the strange sensations coursing through his thoughts as well as his body. Not since he'd lost Caroline had his attention been captured by another woman. He tried to think of ways to extend their chance meeting without stooping to the obvious, but came up with nothing. Wooing women was not his forte. All too soon, Gabriel spied the city gates looming ahead in the fog. A few minutes more, and they arrived at a shabby townhouse on a shabby street. Lights glowed behind a smattering of windows, but nobody walked the streets. The woman who rode in front of him pointed at a house with a crumbling set of steps. Here, she said. Me too, Joanna Wilder added. The smaller woman turned in surprise. But Joanna, you don't... I want to talk to you about my sister. Oh. All too soon, the ride was over. Gabriel slipped off his horse, intending to help Joanna Wilder dismount, but she beat him to it. Her work boots hit the cobblestones before he was halfway off his nervous animal. Instead of assisting the tall woman with the shining hair and spectacles so he could get a closer look at her face, he settled for the smaller waif who had ridden with him. Thank you, citizen. Mary dropped a curtsy in front of him. He swept off his hat and answered with a shallow bow. He had no time for the waif, and even less interest in her anemic constitution. He could smell the insipid blood trickling through her veins, made more colorless by the evening's trauma on the river bank, and knew she would have a lackluster taste. He'd never been one to feast for feasting's sake. Instead, Gabriel turned his focus on the other woman. He struggled to mask the attraction he felt for her. Only good breeding and better sense kept his feet in place. A weaker man would have swept her into the shadows to explore her beauty, inside and out. But he was not that kind of monster. To be honest, he'd never enjoyed the kill. He was proud that he had not killed a human being since the single unfortunate miscalculation he'd made when he'd first been turned. Whenever he fed, he never killed. The horse must have picked up on his carnivorous musings because it whinnied and danced behind him. Frowning, he grabbed the bridle. Do you need assistance in locating your sister, Miss Wilder? Thank you for the offer, Joanna replied, but no. She graced him with a quick glance he couldn't read. Dismissive? Disinterested? Disgusted? He couldn't tell. It was damned difficult to see her eyes behind the glint of the spectacle lenses. You'd best get up the street, then, Gabriel motioned toward the door at the top of the stairs. It's long past the curfew. Joanna Wilder nodded. Her full mouth was set in a grim line. No doubt she was worried about her sibling, but she didn't move. She seemed to be waiting for him to leave. Gabriel swung into the saddle of Roman's horse and then reached back to grab the reins of his smaller mount. Hooves clattered on cobblestones as he fought for control of the beasts. 
He had always thought horses could sense the preternatural state of masters and disliked serving non-human overlords. His brother, on the other hand, claimed Gabriel merely lacked a firm hand, and that's why horses shied from him. To get around the drama, Gabriel usually eschewed saddles on horses for seats and carriages. But a carriage could not have transported them to the bank of the river. Gabriel urged the horses to a trot. He didn't look back at the two women on the fog-shrouded street, no matter how much he wanted to have another glance at Joanna Wilder. A half hour later, he dropped off the horses at the mews behind the central compound and headed for his laboratory on a side street in the human quarter. Here, townspeople could come and go in to his lab without requesting entrance to the official quarters of the compound. The less the humans knew about the compound, the better anyway. If they knew how few overseers kept them in check, they would revolt, especially now that the human population had increased but fear and hunger kept their minds off power struggles and fixed on their dinner plates. The balance was delicate, and Gabriel chafed against the decision to keep the humans ignorant of the Londo government. To his mind, ignorance was never good, but then he was no Machiavelli like his brother. He was a simple scientist who liked to be left alone to work, and preferably in a quiet place with very little outside contact. The gas lamp still burned above the sign outside his lab. Subjects wanted, compensation offered, inquire within. Gabriel left the light burning until midnight each night, aware that desperate humans might leave the safety of their homes in order to make a few extra credits. A couple of souls always risked their lives for the opportunity to improve their financial status, and that's what he counted on. As he opened the door to the lab, he switched his mind from politics to his current project. Gabriel had begun to suspect that the results he looked for would never materialize, but he would keep trying no matter how many years it took. After all, time was no object, and... If successful, the project could solve a host of issues. Gabriel stuffed his gloves in his hat and placed them on the shelf above the coat rack, just as his assistant swept into the waiting room. Good evening, Miss Beach. Good evening, Doctor. Angela Beach held a clipboard against her breasts like a chest plate while her eyes drank him in. She feared him, but he could tell that she was drawn to him. She couldn't help it, he supposed. There existed between human beings and his kind a natural but fatal attraction. To maintain his professional ethics and retain her valuable services, he had never taken advantage of that innate attraction. But as time went on, he worried that she would act upon her feelings for him one day and embarrass them both. Lord, he hoped not. Angela Beach was the usual colorless Londo woman with mousy hair, brown eyes, frail bone structure, and translucent skin. There were so many just like her these days. Perhaps it was due to poor diet and lack of sunshine. The sameness of Londo citizens 
created a dangerous situation in which most people were perceived as faceless fodder, unless a person made a conscious effort to view them on an individual basis. It was all too easy for his kind to think of human beings as one big blur of beige. Gabriel picked up the messages that had been folded and transmitted through the pneumotube behind his assistant's desk. Is there anything new? Well, a potential subject came in an hour ago. Oh? He stopped sifting through the messages. Human subjects were precious. Not many women were willing to enter his clinical trial, especially when they learned of the parameters. And she's still here. Good. He put the messages down. Did you explain the nature of the experiment? Yes. And? She's still willing to be a subject. Miss Beach walked to her desk and set the clipboard next to her cup of tea. I think she's desperate for money, Doctor. She seems uncommonly desperate, if you want my opinion. He didn't. Miss Beach had a tendency to overly criticize others, and her opinions of people and situations rarely coincided with his. Perhaps I should get the woman to sign on the dotted line, then, before she has second thoughts. He held out his hand. Do you have the paperwork, Miss Beach? Yes, Doctor. She gave him the clipboard, all the while trying to catch his eye. He avoided her glance and headed down the hall to the conference room.